Hey adventurers, Patrick here. This episode's all about some of our favorite games of 2022, some that stood out and made an impression. We have a ton of games this episode, and I really hope you enjoy it. One thing though, we all enjoy Ark Nova. Yes, it's that good. It's amazing. It's also technically a 2021 release. In fact, it was out in like September of 21, so you'll notice we don't mention it basically at all. It's not because we don't love it, it's because it's not a 2022 game. So there. Take that, Ark Nova. Welcome, adventurer, to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Hey, welcome adventurers to episode 84 of the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a special side quest. We're going to be talking all about the year that was 2022. My name's Patrick. Hey, King Scott here, or some people may know me as the Lord High Chief Dung Collector. (laughs) And I'm Teacher Ryan. This is Explorer Josh. And your dung merchant, Will. So wait a minute. Scott, does that mean that you can't be King Scott now? Are you going to be Lord High Dung Chief? Dung collectors. <laughs> oh no 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 no! I I'm, I'm king forever. Good. I was hoping so. Hey, adventurers, we've got the gang today. We got Will, Ryan, Josh joining the king and I because we want to talk all about the year that was 2022, guys. This was like a banner year in board gaming, huh? No, it was a really good year for sure. There's a lot of good things that happened. Lots of crazy news. Lots of developments. I really think that this was a solid year of gaming. We're coming out of, you know, the pandemic now, and we're starting to get back to a little bit of normalcy. And so I think the the games are starting to reflect that. We're getting lots of good party games now and quick games. We're also, though, because we're still having the effects of the pandemic, we got lots of lower player count goodness. So overall, the, the extremes of either lots big count games and small games are getting really good attention. Yeah, I think it's actually one of the best years ever since I started playing modern board games. It's one of the best years I've encountered so far, except for the fact that there's so many more roll and rights, which I'm not incredibly a fan of, but that's just <laughs> oh, my opinion. And, oh, whoa, whoa. subtle dig. What's wrong with roll and rights? I'm about to get <laughs> so many people bashing on me <laughs> under their breath. They're going to be like, who is this guy? But yeah, no, other than that, it's it's been an incredible year for, for board gaming, I think. The number of people that are playing is so big now, and so many people that are not used to hobby board gaming are jumping in on this hobby now. So the designers are really trying to reach out and attack and grab those new players and make something really accessible for them to play. You know, if I if I got to be honest, and I feel like I do, you don't a- have to be honest. You're no. allowed to lie. You can no, tell no, tall tales. No I, no, I do. I do. And the other, it was just a bunch of crap this year. <laughs> but as the dung merchant, I'm all about it. So you know what? We, we're putting this episode together, and everybody's getting all excited. Oh, Pat, I'm going to add these games. I'm going to add those. Leave it to you, Brown, to be like, we don't get to talk about the games that we didn't like. What about major disappointments of 2022? Wait, come on. People like their clickbait, man. Guys, here's what I had in mind for this episode. Rather than do like a top 10 and go over, you know, basically the same big name games that we've all heard from every other podcast and YouTube channel, I wanted to talk about just some of our favorites in a few different categories, sort of banter back and forth a little bit. And uh, we all separated a few. I wanted to start, uh, what do you guys think? Uh, art and components, we want to start there? I'm good Let's with that. It. 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, let's go yeah. around the room. I want to start this one with Teacher Ryan. Art and components. We're looking for standout games. Doesn't have to be just one. Uh, if you want to tell us a few, It'd give us a, a good art and component game and why. So when it comes to board games, like I'm a huge advocate of art. Uh, it's one of the things that I've always wanted to talk about. I have enjoyed the art and the components of games. It It's what I feel like really draws people into a game in the first place. And so I have a few to talk about, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so the first one is probably the most gorgeous game that I've played this year when it comes to the art and the layout on the boards, and that's Lacrimosa. So picture this. For the main board, there's a musical bar on the lower third of the main board, which helps the game scream that it's about music, because that's what it's doing. You're trying to complete Mozart's Requiem called Lacrimosa. The top section is the river cards that you'll be obtaining in the game, and the mostly central part of the board is a map of Western Europe. Now, when I first set it up, let's just say it took me a while. And that's because I was really enjoying the whole aesthetic of the art on this board. It was mm -hmm. laid out so elegantly, and I just wanted to appreciate the way it was done with the whites, the reds, the cream colors. Almost everything had some kind of flourish in it, like the borders of all the tiles that go on the map and around each opus card. Uh, opus meaning uh, musical composition, by the way. Uh, either way, I just wanted to say kudos to the artists Jared Blando and Enrique Corominas for the art and how it was set up on this game. What did you guys think? Haven't played it yet. Scott's going to break this one out at the well at the meetup. By the time this episode goes live, that'll have been a week and a half ago. But we're recording like three days before a big old meetup, and that's what I'm hoping to play there. So, what do you guys got, Josh? This game is no, ugly. I'm, I'm super, I'm super. I said, Josh, Will, relax. <laughs> you will wait your turn. Oh, I was commenting on the comments. You know, he's hungry. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm butthurt. I wasn't invited to the meetup. <laughs> if you want to fly out for a six-hour meetup from California to Pennsylvania, you're more than welcome to. We would be glad to have you, and there will be free food. Well, I mean, if you gave me more notice in three days, I would think about <laughs> it and not do it. But I'm just saying. I be one of these days. Teacher Ryan's talking about coming out to one of the meetups. It's only a five-and-a-half-hour drive. You could probably run it in, like, four. <laughs> All right. Lacrimosa, what do we got, guys? I mean, I love the cover to this game. I think the cover is absolutely gorgeous. I really don't like the board. It is boring. It's really boring. Oh. It's just it's just Europe or some just you know, just a section of Europe with some copy and paste people on there. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's not artistic. Obviously they put a lot of work and effort into it, but it doesn't really sing pun intended like I think Very it good. should. I think they could have done a lot more. I mean they had this awesome cover of Mozart putting his heart and soul into his final piece of work and the board's just like humpty dumpty welcome to 18th century Europe. Oh, a little dig it's, on Lacrimosa. Fair it's, enough. It's, it, everyone's like oh this board's so pretty. I'm like it's really not. I've seen I, I mean, I've seen Friedman Freeze games look better than this in my opinion. It's just <laughs> Josh you <laughs> ignorant what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, I want to point out that you've called Josh an ignorant slut every time we've had him on the episode. And it's been beautiful every single episode. <laughs> and I would think that he would understand where I'm coming from on this. All right, Scott Lacrimosa, you have it on there for Art and Components. Tell us about it. Yes. Like Ryan, I love the music staffs at the bottom. Takes me back to my years in high school band, seeing all that. The boards that you're Nerd. playing on, sliding the cards in and everything. It is wonderful. I absolutely love it. That's why that was my most excited game to look forward to at PAX Unplugged. And it has not failed me. I got it out. I put it all out. 
like Ryan said, there's a lot there to take in, but once you figure out what goes where, it's fantastic. So great, great game. You know, I haven't played Lacrimosa, and I like to compare it to, if I'm thinking of food, like mushrooms, something I have no desire to try. Likewise. Mushrooms are gross. Right? And I just look, I'm like, oh, wow, oh, you're going to make music. Oh, boy. Woo-hoo. And you're not even going to make the music because <laughs> oh, you're no. dead. You're dead. But I will say the box is very pretty. Nothing. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The game is like I, I use the game is like a beautiful powdered donut, really gorgeous on the outside. But when you bite into it, expecting jelly or cream, you get mayonnaise, and it's oh, just oh no! What donuts? Is, have you isn't that how you guys do it in Pennsylvania? That's disgusting. <laughs> I'm making Scott really mad right here. All right, Ryan, we got some mixed results on Lacrimosa. What's your next one? You said you had a few on there. Art and components, some of the best of 2022. All right. Uh, so the second game I have is just pretty. I don't think anybody disagrees on this, but uh, Flamecraft uh, is uh, one that a lot of people have oh, mostly yeah. gotten because of the cute dragons. So there's mm-hmm. like upgraded plastic dragon player pieces are amazing quality. Uh, they have Kickstarter exclusive plush dragons that are just adorable. And it's almost everything you want regarding the looks of a game about cute dragons. I also like the look of the inking used to draw the board and the dragons on the cards. I think it was really well done. And I'm sure most of you agree, especially after what you said about it in the last episode. The artist that did all of these dragons for this game, Sendara Tang, I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but uh, she also did art for games like Descent, Journeys in the Dark Second Edition. She did The Lord of the Rings, the card game, and she also did Warhammer. And now I'm wondering like, what her art for those games looked like. I'm very intrigued. I haven't looked it up yet, but I, I really want to see how that is. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop pop in and you know say so for their upcoming game Andromeda's Edge, Sundara has also done a space dragon. It it's like high fantasy sci-fi, what you would expect. Beautiful, beautiful art. These dragons, my understanding is, are actually not her normal style. Just Peter Vaughn from Cardboard Alchemy saw it and was like, "That is it. That will sell a million dollars." And he was right. She's got range. Now that I'm really interested, I want to go back and check out her artwork in Warhammer now. Well, I, I, we didn't really d- dig into the, the components, and I'll say something that, because I have both of the Cardboard Alchemy games that they've funded, even though it's not released yet, I have seen Andromeda's Edge, their next one, and they are going to be, every year they release a game, we're going to be on your best components list. I mean, they bling out their Kickstarters just beyond there are very few titles that you're going to see that are going to be nicer looking with better components coming out of them. It's just, and then Flamecraft is no, is no uh, exception. Well, no that's exception little, at all. That's a little concerning, though. I mean, what if they just focus on good components and release milk toast games every year? Well, I thought Flamecraft was a pretty, pretty good game. I haven't played it yet, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what you look right? <laughs> Patrick doesn't like it. Uh, no, no. Let, now let, let's backpedal there. I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it. Uh, I have this thing. I there's this like emo teen in me that's like I you know I got to be the edge lord and say something different. So everybody's saying, oh, it's great. I'm I'm like, oh, I'm gonna get on and pump my brakes, right? Uh, I liked it. I did not dislike it. I just thought it was. It was a little simple, you know, it's, it's an engine builder and some things get pretty wild in the second half of the game. I liked it. I'm looking forward to playing it again. I'll probably show it off at the meetup, but, um, you know, for like, you know, end of the year, people are talking about the best games of 2022. I even put up a post uh, on our social media. Hey guys, you know, t- tell me what are some of the best games uh, that you played this year? And a lot of people had it at the top of their list. And I was like, well, that is something. And then I played it. 
Maybe it's a case of expectations coming in, but I played it and I was like, okay, that that's good. But that's like game of the year. Yeah, maybe for some people. It wasn't for me. Components though, art and components. Wow. Wow. I got the copy from Nikki came out of Nikki's basement. She's got the uh, the dragons, uh, the the upgraded dragon pieces, the neoprene mat. I got to give them a lot of credit on this one. The neoprene mat, you can actually see everything. Sometimes you get a game with the neoprene mat, and it's a little fuzzy. You know what I mean? They put words on it, or, or you know what I'm talking about. And not pixelated, but everything's fuzzy. It's just the nature of the neoprene cloth top, not in Flamecraft. It's crisp. I like that. And you're missing the big thing that uh, you can fit that neoprene mat in the box. Bingo. I like it. One more, Ryan. What you got? Uh, I'm going to talk about a game where the art in the game is pretty great, but I mostly wanted to add it to the arts and components discussion only because of the Kickstarter miniatures, except I like to call them largiatures. Largiatures. Maxiatures. Maxiatures, I believe, is the term. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, the attention to detail in all of these figures are in- insane. Now, let me show you guys two of them. And they're not going to be spoilers. It's in every How to Play video regarding the first encounter, so I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Very good game, radio. Very good ga- radio. This game is Oathsworn. <laughs> <laughs> this game is Oathsworn, okay. but this is the brood mother from the game Oathsworn. It is a giant rat for those who can't see. It's the, the size rat of your fist. Of yeah, I was about to say, for those just listening to the podcast, uh, I'm showing them this massive figure of a rat on its hind legs. The teeth are showing. Small spines are going down the entire backside along the tail. And there's just a bunch of rats forming a pile on its back. It's like the size mm. of a real rat. Almost, yeah. Yeah, basically. But that's the first encounter monster that you fight. Uh, they also have this in the Kickstarter as well. This is a shack. Oh, it's a house monster. This is like a shack or a house. It could be a mimic house. Who knows? I don't even know. Uh, but this figure has like a thatched roof. It has all sorts of details around it, like vining. It all looks very nice. So other than these figures, though, I don't know what else anything looks like because they're all packed away in mystery boxes. But uh, after my play of the first scenario, I'll definitely be continuing this game and checking out the amazing miniatures. It looks like it's going to have. I tell you what, you're looking on the board game geek and looking at all the posts, like the painted images of the different, mo- the, the, specifically the brood mother. This is a really quality miniature that they produced. It's just amazing to see people really dive into this and be creative with it. And I think you're right. These, these components look, these miniatures especially look very well done. Hungry, you've got a copy of this one, don't you? Oh yeah, this this was my game of the year. Uh, very, yeah, very you love that one. one. Oh, it's fantastic. Now, I did not, because I live in California, mm-hmm. and spaces, the houses are, rooms are much more expensive here, so I, 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 I chose not to get all the miniatures, because it is... Maxatures. Maybe, yeah, bigatures, thank you. Because you wind up with three Gloomhaven-sized boxes, so oh, I, just kept the, I just got the standees version. Oh, four? Four Gloomhaven-sized boxes. Uh-oh, he's going to come back and break his back. Teacher Ryan's bringing him. Oh, my gosh. He's picking up the camera. Whoa! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Again, uh, people cannot see with their ears. Well, Except but you, the Daredevil you, you, you can feel his back breaking just looking at it. So it's huge. But I will say the, the, the minis, just for the heroes that come with it, are, are quite nice. Though You have to put them together because they had the option of having changeable arms. So you could just literally have exactly the equipment that your hero has, which I didn't get that either, and I'm told that they just kind of fall out all over the place. Oh. They're not, like, magnetized? Of course not. You have to magnetize your own minis. Yeah, magnetize your life, Patrick. (laughs) Get connected. All right. 
I'll tell you what. Let's let's shift gears a little bit. I want to go over to Scott. Scott, give me one for uh, art and components. So what are some of your best of 2022? Well, I did mention Lacrimosa. That was a big one there for me. But also another mm-hmm. one that stood out was Tenpenny Parks. It has the carnival tent in the middle, all the posters for the different rides and all that stuff that goes on at a carnival. All you need is just that one guy standing up out beside it going, hey, come on down here. Put your five cents in here. Come see the freaks of nature right inside this here tent. It's just such a very beautiful artwork in this game. I absolutely love that one. Well, that's a game where I think the artwork shines. Uh, you know, the components, uh, obviously, it's got the tent, but whenever we talk art and components, oftentimes, and and we're going to continue to do it, I'm sure, we say, oh, the miniatures, the production quality. But sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, the game's art is what holds it together. And I'm telling you what, the Western-themed cards, they feel like Western-themed rides and whatnot. And the aquatic yes, card was yes. it like Atlantis. Like, they all really evoke the flavor of what they're trying to be just through the artwork in the game. I thought they did a fantastic job. It was Scott, just a good you beautiful soul. together the amusement park. <laughs> Scott, um, you beautiful soul. This is a, this is a fantastic choice. Tenpenny Parks was... Visitor Traits Art really brought this together. Really good choice. Now, Josh, I see you have one here that I think is actually a 2021. You had Ryan flipping his wig because this is a 2021 game. What? That was me. That was me. Let's let's keep that in. I'm I'm, going to steal that. I'm going to. So, Ryan, teacher Ryan, in the very teacher mode, is like, oh, excuse me. This game was released in 2021. And I was like, look, I'm legit. I ordered it around my birthday in October last year, and it just uh-huh. kept being not released, not released, not released, not released. So it didn't actually come to me until like January, February. And actually, I got another game on this list that the same thing happened. But oh, no. uh, Ryan hasn't gotten up in my grill about it yet, but it's, it's coming by my digital grill. But that is glow. And we're only we're here. I'm talking about this because well, the gameplay is great, but the artwork is this like ink only charcoal look of these just fantastical creatures as you're going on this journey like seeking light it's almost all black and white it is awesome looking this is completely different from anything else that i have in all of my shelves this is also vincent dutrait oh is it really yeah it is it's vincent dutrait and uh ben basso vincent dutrait is really he's just so good he's a really a jack of all trades when it comes to board game art but I do think that this game arrived in the States in 2022, like early 2022, from what I understand. So technically speaking, it may be coming out earlier in Europe, but it came out 2022 this year. Yeah, I, I do know um, uh, someone else who actually got it. They were able to order it from Canada mm. uh, previously. Oh, so that's in Europe, too. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like, hey, if, if it's not in California... Like, what do I care? <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I mean, for things that aren't in California that I care about, like four out of the six of them are on this chat right now. Right? <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, like you could literally talk about art and components for any game uh, that looks really, really good. And if I had the choice, all of them would probably be Vincent Dutre. He's just absolutely amazing at his craft. Well, we reviewed this one back in episode 59. Josh, you actually joined us for that episode. I got to say that silhouette looking dark and like the, the clash between the black and the whites makes the little bits of color that are on the cards from the dice. It makes it pop. I really like that. Josh, why don't you give us one of yours? Best art and components 2022. I'm going to start off with a pretty popular one. The base game itself is not 
it's it's not new. It's 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 Marvel Dice Throne. So this is the Marvel edition of Dice Throne that came out in 2022. Mm-hmm. So the artist for Marvel Dice Throne was Damien Mamatolidi and Manny Tremblay butchered those names. But these interpretations of characters that the media at large has come to love are absolutely fantastic. These are these original designs he got permission from. I mean, that must be a dream for some artists to get permission to draw your own interpretations of these characters that have so much history and love behind them and to totally knock it out of the park afterwards. Each of them feels original, but they portray and they express the characters so uniquely. I mean, I really love what he did with Loki and Miles Morales. I felt like those characters really brought to life with this art. And, you know, Roxley knocks it out of the park each time with their components. They have the nice trays that you can fit all the cards in, the fold-up boards and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Dice Throne, but this is just a fantastic production. Yeah, it, it, it's nice. <laughs> be quiet. Oh, come be on. quiet. Come on. Hey, give, give, give me more. Give me more. Come on. All right. It's nice. Hey, hey, hey. Nice I'm going nice. to step in here. I got a chance to play the four, like Loki, Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, and Thor, I think it was. Uh, I got to play those at Origins whenever they were just coming out. And yes, the artwork is fun. I love how the boards that you have in front of you are cut out like around the shape of the characters and just gives that nice feel to it, nice look to it. Yeah, it's it's kind of cartoony, but it works with the artwork with all the other sets they have for Dice Throne. So, yeah, I agree with you on that, Josh. I think the art looks pretty cool, too. It has a almost like anime or Japanese animation kind of yeah. feel to each of the characters it has, too, which, is, which actually like works really well for this game, I think. New challenge that we're going to do, listeners. What you don't know is that we're doing this this recording through a Google Meet, and so we can see each other's smiling faces. Uh, and I get to see Will's beard and Josh's grandma glasses. That I'm sorry, back off. terrible. <laughs> and they are blue light lenses to help my eyes. Oh, sure, we sure, sure. Behind Patrick, he has furniture padding, so he's that, clearly that in like prevention. his murder warehouse. <laughs> So what you don't see is that every time we mention a game, Teacher Ryan is standing up, turning around and grabbing it from his shelf and showing off that he has it, right? So our new challenge is, is uh, I'm going to make like a ding or some kind of a sound effect anytime a game comes up that Ryan doesn't have. And I think we're about to get it. Josh, what's the other one you pointed out for art and components? Um, this is one we recently talked about together on the podcast. This is Mythic Mischief. Ding! Ding. <laughs> did you intentionally put it on the Google Doc as? Did you intentionally put it on the Google Doc as Mitcha Mitcha? Because uh, oh, Will's got it. Okay, okay, there we go. Oh, geez, uh, it is way too late for this. Tell us about Mythic Mischief Art and Components. Yeah, so Mythic Mischief. Um, for those of you who don't know, just a quick overview. It is a two or four player abstract game where you are a bunch of different cliques in a magical school trying to avoid Tomekeeper that's going around the board, all the while moving bookshelves using different abilities to try to get other people caught. Very base overview of it. The, it's okay, we all listened to Patrick crap all over it last episode, so it's Yeah, okay. he did. He indeed did. But this is, uh, we're not talking about the gameplay, we're talking about the art and components, which I think Patrick will agree with me on, are very well done. They're the excellent. Art- yeah, the artwork in this game is wonderful. It's, you know, Stephen Universe-esque, it's Cartoon Network-esque, done perfectly. It really emanates the wackiness and kookiness and quirkiness of the game while giving us solid components. They're not, they're not oath-sworn miniatures, but they get the job done. They don't need to be oath-sworn miniatures. And they give us a really nice 
feeling to the game. I mean, I differ from Scott in this, where I actually don't think the board's that small. I think it's the perfect size. And the way that the, the boards are put together for upgrading the dice and stuff like that, upgrading your powers, they slot in nice, they fit into their boxes really nice. The box is just like, I love the box art for this game. Wonderful production, Mythic Mischief. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but well, I will say the the, the the components the components are nice. Uh, my, my only big old quibble is the glow in the dark ghosts only really glow under a black light. Oh, I didn't oh. get the ghost. So <laughs> this is actually the fir- first game in this list that I have yet to play. Um, but listening to your last episode, it's something that I. I seem a little intrigued by, and so like I'm, I'm trying to look for a copy myself just to check it out. Well, I think that yeah, I agree with you that the components are very well done. They really fit the theme of the game, it, but the game still did not grab me. I mean, I appreciate the components, but just not a big fan of the game. There. <laughs> well, you got one on here. What'd you pick? Um. So, uh, the the only one that I have left because I mentioned glow. And this is the other one that a lot some people had in 2021, but I, my pre-order didn't show up. It showed up with Glow. And that is Vagrant Song. This is a boss battler with no minis, but really cool. Go ahead. Get, get up and get it, Ryan. He, he doesn't have it. No, he, he doesn't have it. I think our game's over. I have had it, but I do not have it anymore. Oh, fair enough. No, that counts. That and counts. What, what, what makes it stand out for me is I, I like the art, you know, and it's cartoony, it's kind of whimsical, which I'm always all about, but all acrylic standees, which makes it a small box boss battler, which means it gets to stay in my house. For mm, much not too big. It's not taking up too much space in that California property. That's right. And I, and I love acrylic standees and these look fantastic. And they, they had the front and back to them. So oh, nice. Yeah. So you actually see the back of the characters when, you know, they're walking away from you or whatever. Very, very cool. There is something a little magical with acrylic standees. I will agree with you on that. I had that Mountains Out of Molehills game, and that one just has those little mole acrylic standees, but there's just something about them that just, it's not an actual miniature, but it's a nice step up from your basic cardboard uh, standees. So really, really nice. Guys, I want to round off art and components with three of them that I put on there. I'm going to start with Townsfolk Tussle because I put it on there. It's a boss battler as well. It's, it draws so many parallels to Vagrant Song. Uh, I put it on here uh, not so much for the sake of the components, which it does have nice miniatures, but there's a lot of little cardboard pieces that you're putting out onto the board. I picked it because the artwork captures the theme. Much like in Vagrant Song, the, there's a feeling in that game that's evoked by the artwork, kind of a, a retro, like a 40. What are they? Uh, I think vaudeville is a word. I don't know why it's coming to my mind. I don't even know what it means. Someone smarter than me? Yeah, well, that, that, that is a word. That's definitely a word. And it does sort of apply. Okay. Uh, it's got the old timey cartoons, just creepified look. Like Honey and Bosco and, you know, like the old black and whites, right? Yeah, just colored and creepy as crap. <laughs> Well, I was impressed with Town Folk Tussle's overall presentation. I also put on their Foundations of Rome. Uh, this is one that is notoriously getting the label overproduced, but hey, that means it belongs on the list of best productions of 2022. This thing comes in that giant cube of a box with the cool artwork. All those 3D miniature buildings like... You know what? I like a toy factor. I really do. I can't speak to whether or not it's worth it, you know, as far as the value goes. But if I'm playing that game, I want to play with the buildings. 
and Wonderland's War. I can't not mention Wonderland's War. Uh, oh, oh my goodness. Guys, I'm going to be brief here. It's going to be a review game next episode, but some of the things that stand out. I have the upgraded plastic chips. They feel good in the bag. You shake it and it makes the clinking sounds. The board is colorful and beautiful. You've got your player mats with all of your little upgraded pieces on it. Custom-shaped meeples, according to who you are. Like, if you're the Queen of Hearts, your meeples look like little cards holding a spear. There are these Wonderlandian cards that'll give you additional chips or your own extra mini. Like Humpty Dumpty. He's a little egg miniature wearing a bow tie oh my goodness it the game captures the theme with with its art and components so well and then the storage on top of that scott you remember we're, we played this a couple times with jeremy all your chips go in that little magnetic closing box when you open it where everything goes is shown right on the lid oh deluxe oh yeah it really really nice production but we'll save some more thoughts on that one until next week, gentlemen. I want to move on to uh, just some quick talk about some of the light games that we loved this year. And I'm going to lead it off for a change. I'm going to start with Doomlings, which we actually talked about in 2021 when it was on Kickstarter. But it's officially out Ooh, in the wild money. this year. Yes. Yes. Uh, we saw it at Target. We saw it at Walmart. You can find it just about anywhere. Uh, as far as a light game goes, you know what? I've taught this at meetups. I've played it with my wife. I've played it with my daughter, my friends. Gamers, non-gamers, I give our uh, prototype copy. I let my buddy Adam borrow it. I had to remind him that he had to give it back to me because he, he kept on playing it. I think he forgot, like, oh, hey, this isn't your copy. Fantastic light game. Have you guys had the chance to play Doomlings yet? I have not. Well, Scott, <laughs> tell me about that. What would you think? Do you think Doomlings would uh, would earn a spot on the uh, on some some of the best of 2022's light games? Most definitely. It's just such a nice light game to play. Very easy to pick up. The artwork is fun. The things that are written on it is, are fun. It just makes for a good experience whenever you're playing with people. Let's move it over to, let's start with Will this time. So uh, the aforementioned Give Ryan a Hemorrhage Glow. I had <laughs> 2021 great- game. Oh, boy. <laughs> I had a great, right. You know, now it's been on, it stayed on the shelf for, for a bit. I haven't pulled mm-hmm. it off in maybe the last four months or so, but I played it so many times throughout this year. It's really easy to learn. And because it has a double-sided board with the second side being significantly more complicated, I really, really enjoyed it. It looks pretty. It's not a long game. You can teach it and play it in 40 minutes. Really dig it. Not only that, but if you are at all interested in playing Glow, it is available on Board Game Arena. Someone made a short how-to-play video that is integrated with BGA, so you can learn how to play it on BGA with this implementation, and it it just works so well. I I really do enjoy the game, even though it's a 2021 game, in my opinion. Uh, It is still a wonderful game. I I really enjoyed it when I had it. Well, if it helps, I'm actually technically in the past from where you are, so... He's three hours behind us. Yeah, uh, I will say for people who do play it on BGA for the first time, do note that in in Meat Space, there's a good chunk of it that actually can be done simultaneously, which you don't get yes. on BGA. Ryan, you went with one that Josh and I are familiar with. I'm, I'm sure he's demoed it just as much as I have working with board game tables, now known as All Play. You went with Dandelions. I did. I did. So when you were working board game tables, as it was then called at Gen Con, you were demoing this game, and you needed to... Yeah, I'll play it with you so you could check it out. And I have to say, this was just really enough of a relaxing game with more strategy in it than meets the eye. Really, honestly, there's only one thing you do on a turn, which is select the die you have in front of you, move your disc that number of spaces on the board, and where it lands, you place that die. 
There are a few small extra steps depending on what happens, but for the most part, that's the action that you do. But when you move your disc and it would land on someone else's and you move that number of spaces again, and you keep going until the disc doesn't land on someone. Also, if you place the die in a holding area where there's another die of the same value, you move all of those dice into adjacent holding areas. And depending on the number of your dice in those areas and the values of those areas, you'll get a number of points when the game ends. It's simple in practicality, but it's also quite brilliant and quite a little bit of strategy if you have to choose between, I, I, what is it, like 15 dice there, Patrick? I'm not sure. 11 per person. So uh, each player is going to have 11, uh, five different gardens. And you know what's nice is the number of spaces in each garden actually goes down as the point value within goes up. So that garden that's worth five only has three spots. The one worth eight only has one spot. So it gets a little bit tighter as you work your way around all of those gardens with your little dandelion seeds. Yeah, um, and so, you know, thank you for demoing that for me. Uh, I do want a copy of the game, now that I think about it. Again, heavy gamer here, but I do want a copy of this game. Uh, I know you demoed it, so what did you think of it, having had to play it? Probably a good... Uh, I never want to see it again. <laughs> having having played it now at least a 100 times in, in the last couple of cons. You know what's funny is, it's so much fun to demo games uh, for people and show people games. Honestly, that's part of what I get out of the hobby, is being able to show people how to play a game. I love seeing the light click. I know you know you know what I'm where I'm coming from, Ryan. Man, there's... You know, <laughs> you've been uh, demoing games for three and a half hours, and you know the 50th group walks up, and they're like, oh, let's play Daniel. Will you show us how to play? And he's like... All right, I guess. Yeah, absolutely a fantastic light game. I do like that one. Uh, nice, charming theme. Josh, you picked one that's been popular of late with a charming theme as well. Boop. Oh, God, don't do Boop. it. No, nope, nope, nope. Boop. 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 <laughs> no. I thought you well, took batteries out. Oh, <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, he's referring to my fire alarm that's been beeping and booping since Patrick and Scott have known me. So, <laughs> Mind you, he's got a small child in his house. This is a risk to your family. Well, his one, his works. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll be okay if his mom and dad die in a fire. Well, that, that got dark. Let's talk about boop. <laughs> let's you talk just tell them to die in a fire? Anyways, talk. let's talk about cats on beds. Yes. So, so boop. This is a two-player abstract game by Smirk and Laughter, where you are playing kittens on a bed, jumping on this bed, and just boop, booping all the other cats around you. So it's like a ripple effect. You place a cat down on a square, and then all the cats around it move one space in every direction. Oh, this is a delightful little game. It really is. The The production on this is very simple. This could have gone on my list for probably best components for what it was. It's just, in my opinion, what makes a great game production of components. But basically... This is a game that takes maybe 20 minutes to play, at most, and really easy to pick up. You can teach it in less than two minutes. It's one of those games that's it's a lot deeper than what it seems. It's a tight decision space of where you want to place your kittens, and then how you want to be able to move the other player's cats around, and how you want to move your own cats around, in order to create that three in a row, upgrade the cats, and then get that three in a row that you need to win the game. So the once you play it more and more, it starts to reveal itself, and then it's just a matter of, hey, I want to show you this great introductory game. I mean, this is this is a new gateway game, in my opinion. Like, there's the Ticket to Ride and things like Tan. I think Boop goes along up there with it. The idea of, here's, let's play some cats on a bed. Boop, boop, boop. We're going to move some cats around. I'm introducing to the idea of abstracts. Mm. So just such a good little <laughs> game, such a good little time. That's Boop. One that really kind of caught my eye 
You guys were nice enough to get it for me at Gen Con, and that was kites. I am a big kite aficionado. I love flying kites. One line, two line, four lines, you name it, I like to fly them. Seven lines, eight uh, lines. If they had them, I might give it a try. Who knows? (laughs) But you have six different colors of sand timers, and each one starts out at I think it's two minutes, and it's down to one minute, then 45 seconds, and 30 seconds, and it goes on down until it's like a ridiculously short amount of time. So it's based on what color kite you have up in the air, and you have to hurry up and play a card so you can flip the timer over so that the timer keeps going, that you keep the kites in the air. So mm-hmm. whenever you're doing that, you might play one card that has two colors on it, well, you just flipped it over a minute ago when it was almost out. You flipped it over. There was hardly any sand in it now. Well, crap. I got to hurry up and do something else. So you have to flip over another one and flip over that timer again. But then you're flipping over another timer. So it's it's a lot of fun. It can be a little crazy. You are allowed to talk to everyone, like saying, we need a red, we need an orange, you need whatever. But uh, I know whenever we play, we figured out it's kind of fun to do that whenever you aren't saying anything. Mm-hmm. And then it's like it's even one of the cards that you can incorporate into the game. Yes, yes, those are things you can add on there as well. But yeah, kites very simple, lightweight, great, great game. Yeah, I'm really glad you had a chance to play it. I'm really happy that uh, I was able to give you something based on like what you said before about loving flying kites, and I'm I'm really happy that it came through for you. I never actually got a chance to play it. Even though I got it, <laughs> so uh, so uh, next time ne- next time we meet, you're gonna have to bring it with you, and I do want to play it with you because it does seem quite interesting and uh, very very insane and uh, how you have to like flip over all these hourglasses. It's it sounds it sounds like a that definitely of, uh, will stupid happen. Stupid fun. Is this one you would want to bring to like the meetup you guys have? Uh, yeah, it's one that would be a nice one to play in between games or something. Whenever people are waiting to jump in on a longer one, really simple. You play it. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, good to go. Well, speaking of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, guys, I got to go number two. So let's take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk medium games. Hey, Scott, you see that picture I posted on Instagram of card combos in board games? Yeah, I, I did. And I love the combos. But something else that I liked were those card holders, those sweet little card holders. Oh, heck yeah. Scott, those are Titans. T-I apostrophe T-A-I-N-S. Titans. You know what? I love them for sharing photos of games, sure. But man, I use these for all sorts of things in games, especially when like you have a character card or a bunch of items that don't belong in a specific spot on the table. It gives a nice 3D aesthetic to the table. And honestly, some games, it just makes it more practical. I've been busting these things out a bit. All right, all right. So if I want to get my hands on some, like for Arkham Horror, that one's a great one because you want to keep your character up and all this other kind of stuff. Where do I find them? I got mine from etsy.com slash shop slash infinitions tabletop. You can find the link in the show notes. And you know what? Howard hooked us up with a promo code just for our listeners. Adventures, get yourself geared up with Titans and get 10% off your order with promo code Level Up. 2022 L E V E L U P 2022 all caps no spaces um can i use the code <laughs> you have to take that one up with howard okay so where do i get them again that's etsy.com/shop/infinitions/tabletop you can see it in our show notes or you can just go right to our website and click the link on the main page sweet titans card holders 
What's that smell? Alright, <laughs> alright. All right. Gotta, gotta get collected. My god, Pat, you were in there for like 15 minutes. What happened? Well, that's, I'd say Forget 15 that. I minutes. Don't wanna, I don't want to know. I was playing Terraforming Mars on the can. You were terraforming something. <laughs> Guys, let's talk medium games, some of the best of 2022. And so that I don't forget you, Scott, why don't you lead us off? Is Scott here? All right. Well, <laughs> I, I am here. Yes. So uh, my medium game I spoke about a little bit earlier here as well, and that is Lacrimosa. It's pretty simple once you get the hang of it. There is a lot of symbols, a lot of this and that going on, a lot of decisions to make. But it's not something that you're going to be sitting there for four hours looking at it, trying to figure out what your next move is going to be to make the ultimate move. It just kind of hits that nice sweet spot and gives you a nice, nice experience whenever you're playing it. Like we said earlier, Ryan, with the music staffs at the bottom, all the artwork on the cards and everything else, the, the player boards you have, Really, a lot of work went into it, so you feel like you're getting a great experience out of this. So, Lacrimosa is mine. I totally agree with that, Scott. Uh, it's it's in my top, I want to say, around three or maybe even four game of the year. Ooh, the action that, praise. The, yeah, the actions that you're talking about are, are really quite simple. There's like five major actions that you do, and one of them is like, move Mozart on the map and take the tile that's there. Or take a card from the uh, card uh, river and upgrade the other card with it or perform an opus. So like you tap your opus card, you pay the amount and you get the benefit. All of these actions are simple. Yes. The iconography is something to think about. uh, And that's probably going to be the hardest way, uh, hardest thing for a player to get used to in the game. But the game Mm -hmm. is, I think it perfectly sits in the medium weight difficulty. I I, I totally believe that. And it is a a wonderful medium weight game. Awesome. I think Josh likes this game the way it looks a lot. He loves the look of the board. (laughs) This is Josh's favorite art, I swear. He looks at the board and he can't help but tap his opus. (laughs) Is that why you were in the bathroom so long? Were you tapping your opus? (laughs) Ryan, you're a big fan of Lacrimosa. Tell us one of the ones that you put down for medium weight game. Sure. So I'm going to talk about Clank Catacombs. Now, my wife and I's favorite game to play together is Clank. Uh, we love going into the depths of the dungeons, collecting artifacts, and voiding dragons. And I-, I know some people who grow tired of it because it's practically the same board every time, and I understand that. But now, Clank Catacombs is pretty much everything Clank already does, except you are the one building out the dungeon. It's going to be different every single time. You don't know what to expect or when to expect it. And this leaves each play being a lot more exciting and a lot more replayable and variable, I think. Uh, my wife and I played this about three times so far. And we have yet to see quite a few of the tiles from the game. Uh, not going to lie, this is probably going to replace Base Clank as the one that we normally play, I think. Uh, did anybody else play this? I had the chance to play this at my brother's cabin last week, and I died miserably in the dungeon. I just, I went too far. Uh, I, you know, I got to see what's under the next tile, and I promptly died. I agree with you. This might just replace base Clank. I, I've always been a big fan of Clank. It's one that I talked with Will about on uh, Boards and Brews whenever I had the opportunity to join him, and I actually showed Josh base Clank at PAX. We had some time, and we hit up the library and played that one. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, you know, it's it's similar but different to Clank. If you like Clank, you're going to like Clank Catacombs. I would clearly recommend Clank as a medium-weight game. So yeah, 100% agree. Medium-weight game for one of the best of the year, Clank Catacombs. 
Definitely agree. This is probably, I mean, I just got introduced to Clank this year. I absolutely loved it. I'm not a deck builder fan, but I absolutely love Clank. Clank Catacombs, I think, is the best version of it. Oh. Um, I think it is. Yeah, no, looking at Clank in space, looking at all the other ones, I was, because I'm considering purchasing Clank. Looking at all the other ones, I don't see myself purchasing any other one besides Clank Catacombs because of the tile-laying aspect and the modular dungeon that will come out of each play. So, very well done. Very well conceived, and I'm really glad this game came out and exists. Clank Catacombs. Ryan, I'm a little bit jealous about the other one that you put on your list. I keep hearing great things about it, and I just passed buying it at Gen Con, and I'm kind of regretting it. Tell us about Guild of Merchant Explorers. So, as I said at the beginning of this, I'm not necessarily a Roll and Write fan. Uh, but hey, that's my opinion. I'm sticking with it. After playing this large flip and write, I was hooked. In this game, you'll be flipping cards. It tells you how to place cubes on your player board. You start from a central city, but you're trying to fan out and get to the edges of the board because that's where most of the points that you get in the game are. And you can get treasures, coins, place towers, and all sorts of things to score points over four rounds. It seems very simple, which for the most part it is, but you have objectives, you have special powers, and the order in which you place the cube does matter, and it's going to be different for everybody that plays because of what they have to do. So... I think this game is 100% replayable, which I can't say with many, uh, many roll and rights. And it's just a great all around game, in my opinion. And, uh, you really should give it a shot whenever you find a copy. ASAP. You know, I, I recently got, got to play this and I think I've referred it under its original name of the guild of guildy guild guys trading in the Mediterranean <laughs> random beige cube. It's not the I most a, exciting name, is it? I, I, I have a theory. It, it is, it is potentially. The worst name for a game <laughs> I have ever heard. Like what? It's like it's like. Hmm. How do we make this sound boring as heck? Because at kept me away from the game for a long time until Corey Thompson from Dice Tower. Now I was hanging out with him. He's like, "No, no you got to try that." And my wife's like, "This is great. Go buy it." And now it's sitting right up there on my shelf. I do have to say though, like even though the name is quite terrible, it's also like. If you look at the cover of the board game box, it's just beige. It's pure beige, like the whole thing. <laughs> I have a theory about this. So here's my brilliant theory. Inner conspiracy theory is coming out. I think that the gameplay was so solid that AEG had an inner bet amongst themselves that they could come up with a game that is the most generic-looking game in the world, has one of the most beige and unappealing names and covers in the world, and because AEG has so much clout and street cred, they could still sell it and still be good writing off its mechanics and name. And I think they did it. Not only is the cover beige, but like when you open the box, like even the player boards are beige. Like everything is beige in there. <laughs> yeah, even the stuff that has color, it's like muted color. It is like the classic Euro. Where it's like, mm, I know this is green, but really it's kind of beige. Still. It's like Lacrimosa. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Will. Let that tell us one go. of yours. Okay, now, so I, I'm going to zip through these because medium weight games is is where I love to live. I, no, I love medium weight games. So I'm, I'm going to fly through these and I'm going to tag on to whoever's yellow in our spreadsheet here. I'm going nope, to tag on to Oh, I'm tagging on to you later. I'm nice yellow. Tag team. What? You calling me yellow? Yes, literally, not metaphorically. Uh, you look like a highlighter. Thank but- you. <laughs> wow. Apparently, ink joke. Good, Josh. It got me. <laughs> uh, but 
So uh, the first one we'll talk about, and, and this was actually my number two, number two for my game of the year, very close to Oathsworn, and that is Familiar Tales from Plaid Hat Games, Jerry Hawthorne. And Jerry Hawthorne has been doing the narrative story-driven – oh, there Ryan goes to get it – the narrative story-driven game <laughs> adventure books for years, and this is the culmination of it. It is brilliant. And they even solved the common issue that his games have where the rulebook, like, what's going on? Because they have an app. It was fully narrated, has a searchable rules index. Beautiful. But the game, the story's fantastic. It's light. It's family friendly. Patrick, your daughter's probably the age that you could play this with her and just have mm-hmm. a grand old time. Fantastic. I'm going to leave it there because I got a crap ton more games to talk about. Before uh, you continue, though, Will, I, yeah. I, I do I do have to say it's it's honestly like honestly it's because of watching your video uh, when you talked about familiar tales that I got it. But like you specifically talked this up to me, and so that's why it's currently right here. It's in shrink right now because I'm finishing up Oathsworn with somebody checking it out how that plays. But this is definitely a game that I got because of your recommendation. So if it's not good, I'm coming after you. Well, go through Patrick. Um, <laughs> any- Every, th- every time you hit Patrick, I feel it twice as hard. Well, you know what? Will only got it and reviewed it on his show because we talked about it in episode 59, and I sold Will on it. So in a weird way, you got Familiar Tales because of Level Up. Did you sell me on it? Yeah. No. That's all made up. <laughs> I, I was oh, I, I was like, really? Wow. I'm <laughs> old now. <laughs> that is low, Pat. That is low. Taking all that credit. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. What's Dude, next, Will? He's going to be like, I designed it. You freaking highlighter. <laughs> That hurts. I have feelings. I'm a highlighter with feelings. Yeah, look, he's a yellow highlighter, okay? He's I'm jaundiced, a, okay? He's not the blue highlighter that no one cares about. Guys, you know what's happening is my other soundproofer is a yellow cloth. So the light is behind it, and it's casting a yellow shade on my very pasty skin. All right? If it was the red cloth over there, I would look red. So communist. So is that why you look blonde instead of gray hair? Yeah. Hey! Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's move on to my next game before violence happens. <laughs> Scott, next episode is just you and me. Go ahead, Will. So the, the next one is, now th- this is an older game, but the expans- uh, an expansion came out last year, and that is The Loop. If the base game had come out this year, I would have been in there for the art. This is a fantastic one of those pandemic-style games. But it's because you each player has enough to do, quarterbacking is at a minimum, and the solo mode is Great. Oh, love the loop. I just released a video on that today. I love the loop. I just watched that video and I've been seeing that at our local store and I've been like, I see the loop and I'm like, eh, it doesn't look all that great. But you may have just sold me on that game now. It definitely is a good game. I'm, I'm, I'm going to join out on that. And like, you made a very, very, very good point. It is a co-op game with no quarterbacking or alpha gaming. And that is brilliant. It's very hard to do. And uh, I definitely loved the fact that, that that's a definite point that we have to make about this game. And, Scott, it would be a good one for you to, to pick up when you're traveling again. You could set it up on, like, the desk in the hotel and just leave. It's, yeah. a, it's a good travel one, too. Awesome. Um, awesome. So then the n- next one is one that was with Lacrimosa. It was getting a lot of buzz at Essen. But there weren't a lot of copies available. And Johnny Pack was kind enough to book it over to a port of games and pick up a copy for me. And then sherpered it all the way back to California for me. And that oh, wow. is Revive, which is from, well, as I said, a port of games. They've done the Magnificent and other stuff. And this wound up, I think, my number four game of the year. This game 
when it's in America, you guys are going to love it. It is multi-use cards, action selection, tableau building. Just ignore the theme and the story that's in it. It's total gobbledygook. But the mechanics of this game, they're just astounding. Everybody, I'm not even telling you how to play. Just go buy the damn thing. Well, now, like let me ask you this. <laughs> I get, I'm seeing the 3.39 on the geek. And, you know, I was under the impression that this might be a little heavier. You're saying this could qualify as a medium? If you've, if you've played Euros, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think it gets a bump because it has this mini campaign where you play through five games and you add mechanics each time. Mm-hmm. And like, ignore the, ignore the gobbledygook story. <laughs> like, I, maybe it makes sense thing like the original Swedish, or I think they're Swedish, but in English it's like, I don't know what's happening here. But it's, <laughs> in, in the, I believe that's how it's all said. Uh, Murthuk Murthuk, I think is what it is. Oh, Mitra Mitra. There it is. Mitra, Mitra. <laughs> uh, but you may have it, you may have it as, a, as a medium weight game, but I have it. Let's put it this way. I have things to say about it too, um, but I have it in a higher difficulty. I guess oh. we could say so. I oh, will, we might I, be uh, talking about revive some more. Ooh, I, I will just, I will discuss my thoughts later. Okay. Well, then I, I, I'm going to hold off. Yeah. Then I'll hold off and we'll talk about it a little bit later because I do want to get to my last one. I want to spend my, my most time on this last one because this is one that I backed on Kickstarter. It's called Crisis at Steamfall Genesis. Why, I wasn't sure why I backed it. I don't know. So apparently for, for a hot minute, I was interested in steampunk stuff, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and then this game, it, it arrived, and it came with a note from the designer said, look, do not play this game until the expansion arrives. Okay. And two and a half months later, the expansion from the same Kickstarter arrived. And it just sat on my shelf. I didn't get to it. But, oh, I took it home. Over the Christmas holiday. And this is a, a Euro action selection tableau building game where you're moving around this town, Steamfall, and you can play co-op or you can play competitive. And it is awesome. It is so cool because each character has, depending on what type of scenario you're playing, they have different abilities that relate directly to the scenario. And you're choosing one action three times uh, each turn. You have three actions. You're going to choose one of the columns on your little player board. But as you play through the game and collect resources, you're going to build up those columns to do the different actions that you want. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you're going to build it up to change your mood. When your mood hits the top of the meter, one thing happens. When it hits the bottom of the meter, a different thing happens. Maybe you're going to set yourself up so if I play this action, it's going to let me interact with things on the board. But this action is let me move really far. And when you play co-op, it's a pandemic-style game. You're putting out the fires, trying to accomplish a goal. And if you play competitive, there are secret hidden victory point conditions that are hidden around the board. And you can look at them if you go out there and look at them. And by looking at them, you also have unlocked them for yourself. This is a game unlike anything I've played before. I wish more people knew about it. I wish more people had it. This game is just really cool. I might try to bring it to Origins to show you. I'd be down. That cool. I just, I, it's so hard to explain. But it is living rent free in my head for the past month. I have definitely <laughs> not heard of this game before. And yeah, so, the only preview up right now is Rado. Will you should make a video? There's only one other video out there. Well, you, get well, you so know, many clicks. Well, you know what? Well, like four. Um, well, you know, I, I, <laughs> um, I, I am, but I reached out to the designer because I had one question and I was so enthralled with it. I was like, I, I didn't get the minis. I'm going to keep this game. I kind of want the minis. And he said, you know what? You're doing a video. I'm going to – because I backed it. He said, I'm going to send you the minis, 
So now I'm waiting for the minis to arrive and then I'm going to paint them up and then I'm going to do a video because this is a hidden gem of a game. Mm. It's just unique. It's very cool. And if I am smart enough, I'm going to bring it with me to Origins and we're, we're going to play. Sounds like a I date. I look forward to it. Josh, the floor is yours. Medium games, some of the best of 2022. You got two to tell us about. So I am definitely more the lighter gamer, I think, of the group. So once we get to like the heavier games, I'm not going to have much to say. Plus, with my role here as the kind of the explorer, I don't play too many games that come out the year of our Lord 2022. So it took me a while to actually find games of this weight that I could put down. So I'm just going to throw out a few that I played that I really enjoyed. Uh, the first one I'll talk about that me and Patrick have talked about and that I've demoed a million times and that I never want to see again, but I will gladly play again more than likely. And I will be <laughs> playing it again and demoing again is Basket Boss. This yes. is from All Play. It is their latest release, probably their last release in the board game tables.com line before they switch over to All Play completely. This is a auction game where you are a basketball manager trying to bid for different members of this team you're creating. You're trying to have the best starting lineup by the end of six rounds or six seasons. You could definitely qualify this as a medium light, but this yeah. is like one of the more heavier games I've played in the years. So how many heavy games I play. Really, it really does so many games I play. But this is a fun little auction game that really does a good job bringing out its theme and bringing in the players to what you're trying to do. It's wacky and whimsical, which is why I love my games. But really, the, the meat of the game comes from a very kind of crunchy mechanism of knowing when to age your players or slot them into your player board so you have the best starting lineup. So definitely not a light game. There's some concepts here that... People who would be able to jump into Dandelion's Boop or Doomlings would struggle with. So I was comfortable putting here as medium games, but that's a basket boss. That game is excellent. That whole aging your characters, your players, that makes that game. And then you get those extra cards like the trainer where you can like pick one and age it in additional so you can bump into their higher stars. Like, dude, I'm telling you what, since we left PAX, you know, we're working for board game tables. We get some store credit when we're done. Uh, I took some cash and I got one of those nice big BGT bags, right? Love it. I can fit six games in that thing. I regret not getting some extra store credit and coming home with basket boss. I don't give, I don't care a lick about basketball. That game is excellent. Do excellent the players game. lose their hair like LeBron has over the years? Uh, well, no, they're cards, so they can't do that. The, well, the art does not change as they progress, but I'm telling you, well, one of the guys, he's, he's a, like gray haired. He's like called the veteran or something. And if he's got seven available years, he goes from five stars to two stars and then nothing on the rest of his card. So, like, he's a veteran. You signed him. Maybe you had to bid a lot. You paid a lot. And that emulates real life. You paid a lot to bring him in. He's really good for you that first year. And then age bites him. And then he doesn't score you anything. you got to replace him at that point. Or maybe you pick up that trainer card and you don't have to age him. So you keep milking extra years. That, oh, I love that game. Is that what parenting's like? Like, it's really, you're really good. And then you get the drop off. And then it's just terrible. But then, but then they Par- not just parenting, parenting is like, like when life. your daughter misses the bus because she wouldn't let you brush her hair. And then you have to drive her into school and show up to work late. That's well, why that's didn't parenting. you have a trainer or when <laughs> trainer would have helped or when you're editing your podcast and your son pees on your leg because his diaper was full and you didn't know it. This that's happened. What... <laughs> oh, man. That sounds personal. <laughs> wow. They just got real. I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody. Listen, I did not know I was going to get that real with that. Wow. <laughs> One more, Josh. What you got? 
So this is one I'm very excited about, and this is probably this is probably my game of the year, to be completely honest. And it oh. really flew under people's radar. They didn't gravitate to it as much as I thought people would. But this is Disney Sorcerer's Arena. This is a game released from the op. It's based off the app called Sorcerer's Arena, where you are playing different Disney characters coming together in this little skirmish game and battling for points. What really makes this game... Will, are you just taking a selfie? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what's happening. Okay. Well, what's <laughs> happening? I was 100% listening to you. It's based off the app. It's from the op. And this is a game that... Will, are you taking a selfie? Well, checkmate. Okay, so this is a game that what happens <laughs> is that you take you take um, various Disney characters like Mickey, Sully, Gaston, Dr. Fossier. They have a little deck of cards. You mash them together, and that forms your deck. Then it's mm-hmm. just a sim- it's a really simple compared to most skirmish style games. Skirmish game, we have a hand of cards, and you have a bunch of different powers going on, and then you move your characters around. There's initiative order, different area effects. There's different personal effects. There's different area stage effects and stuff like that. So this is definitely going to be more medium weight for most players. There's some easier versions of the game you can play, but once you actually have the full base game going, it could be a lot for some players. So that's why it's going here at the medium stage. But really, I mean, I'm, I was a huge fan of Smash Up and the chaotic nature of that, but Smash Up is terrible at two. But this one is meant to be at two. And I love it. I mean, I grew up Disney. I'm not a Disney guy right now. Like at Disney World, I can't, I don't have to go to Disney World every year like some people do, but I grew up loving Disney. My family was very much into Disney. And this was just great. Like I get to play as Gaston, the Horned King and Moana in a team together. And I'm fighting against, you know, Mother Gothel, Davy Jones and Mickey. And I get to go up and punch Mother Gothel in the face with Gaston. To me, that's visually fun. I get to get one one shot her in that area. Punch so Mickey th- right in the crotch. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's my that, that's my no. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna stop with that for all right. Quick break, quick break, <laughs> guys. Here's, here's what I want to do. We're, we're gonna take a little uh, board game chat talk. And we're gonna go off to the side. Uh, what's your favorite Disney movie, Ryan? Right now, I'm probably gonna have to say Brave. Brave is a solid uh, movie. Solid choice, Scott. Very solid. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea will always be that movie. Josh. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Will? It's a toss-up between Aladdin and Robin Hood. Good picks. Good picks. Patrick. I almost parallel. Oh, geez. You know what? I'm going to go with Encanto. Encanto's great. Was, was that uh, Disney? Yeah, it was, yeah. I love Encanto. Yeah, okay. I mean, pretty All much right. everything is Disney nowadays, really. That's a good point. It's Star Wars is Disney. <laughs> Black Cauldron has one of the best villains in all of Disney history, and I love actually using him in the game with one of the expansions to actually get to play the Horned King. Fantastic game. They're doing a giant tournament at Gen Con, which I am actively participating in, hopefully try to make it to the nationals they're going to have at Gen Con. But that is uh, Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances. You better win. I better win. I'm better going to wear your level up hat the whole time. Wear my level up hat, my submarine shirt, and I'll I'll shave into my head. The Hungry Gamer or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of the Black Cauldron, by the way, I think that Ravensburger dropped the ball here because for the game Villainous, they have this little plastic, like, small containers kind of thing for all the power. They really should have used the Black Cauldron as that. Well, no one would have gotten it because it really was a flop. <laughs> Not to me, it wasn't. Quick I heard Disney tried Your to childhood is a sham, Ryan. Quick sidebar. The, the scenes with the Horn King are some of the best in Disney history. 
Anything beyond that with that Gurgi nonsense is Don't you slander Gurgi and his crunchings and munchings. It's it's horrible. I will run to your house and I will pee on your lap. Wait, didn't it kind of feel like it paralleled Lord of the Rings? Well like Gurgi was just Gollum. Gurgi was a Chewbacca a previous Chewbacca. You know, go, oh, go no, no I get that he was a go good guy, but books. it felt like oh jeez. I, I feel like books. I feel like this right here could be a whole episode. Gurky, no let's play board games. Gurky, do it good. I think you're doing Stitch, but anyway, guys, let me round out the medium game so we can keep things moving. I got three that I want to just do a quick chat about. One of which is Planet Unknown. This is the uh, the tile placement game with that nice big space station in the middle. Wonderful components. We talked about it a few episodes ago. Works great at a meetup. Plays awesome at two, all the way up to six without adding much time to your play. Medium weight. That's uh, on the lighter side, I would say, or at least it's easier to teach. Uh, that one stuck out. Stuck out. Stuck out. That one stuck out for me. Next one up I have is uh, Return wait, 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 to wait, Dark. Wait, 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 I've been waiting for you to say that. Highlighter? Okay. I've been waiting. Unbelievable. So Planet Unknown actually was my number five of the year. Guys, this game is great. It has a lazy Susan and I believe Scott came when I was hosting at Sovereignty at Origins. In yes, mm-hmm. yes, I did. Digital game. And I, Scott, I don't know if that was the first time you ever played that game, but it was it great was. fun. All right, go ahead, Highlighter. <laughs> Next one I have on my list is Return to Dark Tower, which uses a companion app. <laughs> I don't know why I was half expecting one of you to make the sound effect. Uh, I, 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 I did. I was on mute. I was like, oh, perfect. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Return to Dark Tower is a phenomenal game. You got that big imposing tower in the middle of a circular board. It's again, it's a co-op where you can't really quarterback because everybody's got their own things to do. Plays in a decent amount of time, tells a story as you play. You can switch it up with what your goals, your objectives, your boss is going to be. And the fact that it uses the app keeps it kind of random. You don't know for sure what's going to happen next. You can go dungeon delving. You can go fighting off the baddies. Just, oh, really enjoy Return to Dark Tower. And finally, I can't go without pointing out Dog Park. This is one that we reviewed actually last year as it was Wolf. live on Kicks. Well, I think it was live on GameFound or GameFounder Kickstarter. It doesn't matter. It's out now and you can actually get it from the website of the publisher. Dog Park uh, draws some parallels to Wingspan. I played this at uh, the New Year's Eve party at Nikki's house and, and demoed it for a few people. You know what? It's the first time I played since we reviewed it and I forgot how good that game is. If you haven't played it yet, if you've had your eyes and you, you've been scrolling down your Facebook and you see the ad for Dog Park from Birdwood Games, give that one an extra look. Find a video. Go back. Listen to our episode. It's very, very good. And they do have a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel in the game. I think. I don't know that. I just wanted to point out your dog. Well, you know, they should. And so fun, fun fact about that. First off, the King Charles Spaniel was first. I was actually bred to be a foot warmer. Like literally really? to lay at the, yes, lay at the feet, foot of the bed and keep it warm. And supposedly... King Charles would sometimes, because, you know, that's why it's the King Charles, because he has all of them in the, the paintings. He would walk around with a basket full of King Charles Cavalier Spaniel puppies, like, around his neck. And I feel like that is overkill. It's like, hey, girl, I'm rich. Hey, girl. <laughs> king, I'm do you have king. anything to say in defense of the king? Hey, girl, I got puppies yeah, around my yeah, neck. Yeah, yeah. I was well before <laughs> that one. <laughs> But anyhow, yes, Beatrice the Board Game Dog is a King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. 
One of the most popular games in the hobby, and the oldest in the BGG Top 100, is Crokinole. And at Level Up, we're big fans. Oh yeah. Most of our meetups have a Crokinole board set up and ready for action. Our choice for anything and everything Crokinole is Brown Castle Games. Brown Castle is a family-owned company that produces boards of unmatched quality. With a circular frame, a variety of hardware veneer playing surfaces, and a professional edge banding, let me tell you, these boards stand out. Oh, no doubt, Scott. And along with your board, Brown Castle has the best Crokinole accessories I have ever seen. The discs, the holders, the carrying case, they make the best. Yes, they do. Adventurers, you know our style. When we partner with someone, it's to get savings for you. Exclusively mm -hmm. for adventurers, get 5% off anything and everything from Brown Castle Games. The boards, cases, accessories, you name it. Get 5% off with promo code LEVEL5. L-E-V-E-L, -E -E the number 5, all caps, no spaces. Find it all at www.browncastlegames.com. All right, guys, let's talk about the best heavy games of 2022. I'm going to lead this one off with one that's on a couple of other lists, so it's going to be easy for us to talk about together. Carnegie, or Carnegie, as we like to say around Pittsburgh. Carnegie is a Euro game where you're, you're, you're investing into the infrastructure of the U.S. You're trying to build out your office building. Uh, it's a good economic Euro. The, the main mechanism of the game, you got that action selection in the, in the bottom left of the board with that, that cog on it. And you never know what the next person's going to pick so you try and predict and you try and set yourself up for advantageous payoffs no matter what other people pick man this thing's got some crunch and i'm still loving it today uh so firstly this game will always have a place in my heart because that's how i started the journey of becoming a part of this podcast so you asked a board game group on facebook if someone would teach you this game i accepted it and the rest as they say is history we learned mm -hmm. the game and played it on bta now let me continue with another spoiler this is my favorite game of 2022. My favorite games are oh, Euros. How about that? Yeah. My favorite games are Euros with point salad scoring. And so this is that kind of a game in spades. I'm going to try to do something here, so bear with me, okay? <clears throat> the art of the board is very nice. The unique pull tab components on the boards are quite cool. The mechanic of moving around your office workers to be able to activate abilities when the surface office branch is activated. The fact that you have to upgrade your income by placing buildings all around the map. How you get end of game points by noting your hard earned money to charities like Andrew Carnegie was known for. How you send out workers from your office to the boards on a mission. And when you activate that region of the map, you can return those uh, workers to get a Benny depending on how much research you did for that region. The fact you're trying to connect major cities for bonus points at the end of the game. Everything is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> I did it, yes. Uh, but no, I, I absolutely love this game. Uh, definitely my favorite. And I know it came out. <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm going to let Glow slide because this board game came out in BGA in 2021. <laughs> so, That's right. So the fact that uh, a game that you could officially play in 2021 being on this list, eh, I'll, I'll accept Glow. Uh, you have my you have my Hello, permission Lala. now. Thank you. But either way, uh, either way, Carnegie is my favorite game for all of those reasons I just said, and especially like getting to know you guys. So uh, that's that. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, you know what? I had it definitely holds a a place in my heart for that. This was on my list here for the heavy one as well because you look at this and you, if you try and explain this to somebody that doesn't play games, you're going to have a dazed look on your face. 
whenever he's saying you need to put offices in a building in order to put salespeople out across the country while you're also then adding on to things to charities across the country. But then you also want to make sure that you get things going on on different floors of the building so that they work together with each other. They're going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? But mm -hmm. it does work. It's one of those ones that I don't know how to play it that well. But I just love jumping in on BGA and just trying out whatever the hell I want to do and see how it works. And it's great. I don't care if I lose. I don't care if I win. I'm just having a great time playing this game. Well, back to you, Ryan. You got another one on here that we mentioned already. And you said you had it in the heavy category, Revive. I do. Um, I, I'm not dissing the fact that uh, Will thinks that it is a medium weight game. That's, I like that's that he's like, he thinks. Wow. Look at he I mean, in the italics on that. But yeah, it, this game right here, Revive, was on my list as the number one most looking forward to play game at PAX. It's a, a really wonderful game. Uh, if you want to know the theme, yeah, there is a, isn't a theme, as Will was saying. But it's uh, according to the book, it's you are a tribe trying to explore frozen overlands and then populate them with your tribe. So you're trying to expand. And it's almost like two I think parts the term Will used was gobbledygook. Yeah, uh, something like uh, that. Gobbledygook. Gobble the gook. Gobble the gook. Uh, but this game has like uh, two of the four X's as far as like the board game map is concerned. But I think the central mechanic and the best mechanics in this game is how you play your cards. There's actions on like one side of the card and on the other. And so like when you play a card, you're going to slide it under your board in certain slots so that only one of those sides shows. And you're going to do the actions of those cards. And you're also going to activate any bonus tiles that you manage to place on there or upgrade that slot with. You're trying to get resources and you're going to use those to like explore tiles or move your guys. That's going to give you points. Also, there's a unique player board with three intertwining research tracks. And what I mean by that is like... There are bonus tiles that you gain when you go up these tracks. However, some of them aren't available until you go, say, four on one of the research tracks and then seven on another, where the tracks meet. And that is the interconnection between those two. And that's when you get that tile. So, like, you're trying to balance going up these research tracks to get all these bonus tiles, which help you tremendously in the game, by the way. And just the whole strategy of putting that all together and going around on this board and getting these points and getting more cars to do all these things with is just a brilliant, brilliant game. That's why I think I put it in the heavyweight category because there's a lot more thinking and strategy behind this game than I would put as a medium weight game, but that's just me. Well, you know, to, to in, in a rare moment, I'm going to say, you know what? I see where you're coming from, and I'm going to say, yes, I agree with you. I think for the person who is deep into Euro games and plays lots and lots of heavy Euro games, that's a medium weight. But if you're not playing lots of those, absolutely, it, it is on the heavier end of medium. So I, I can I can, I can buy light heavy. I can buy light heavy. And, and just a quick shout-out to Aporta Games. They are good. Like, these designers, I just I picked up The Magnificent recently, which was one of their previous games, because it's always on sale. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it is also really good. Like, these designers are really, really good. And I don't know why they don't get more buzz, but man, I, I am now on board for whatever they're coming out with. I'm picking up. The Magnificent base game may be on sale all the time, but that expansion, phew, quite expensive. I have my friend, Canadian Kev. I was able to find it in Canada, and I had it sent to his house. He's bringing it to me, and since it was in Canadian dollars, it's like free. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, <laughs> earlier, I think we established that Canada is Europe. 
I'm surprised, you know, considering yes. the shipping across the ocean to get it to California, that that is pretty surprising. Uh, what also surprised me, well, you have another one that technically I think was a 2021 game. I know it's uh, I didn't play it until 2022. Maybe it was not available to purchase until then. But this was one of my favorites that we reviewed on the show last year, Rise of the Gnomes. Yeah, so Rise of the Gnomes uh, kickstarted and was on Tabletopia in 2021, but didn't actually deliver until 2022. And I so see. Patrick and I are on the opposite ends of the coin on this game because Patrick is all about the competitive mode in this game. Absolutely. And I am all about the co-op mode in this game. But what that tells you is there's something in this game for everybody. But I want to focus on – everybody, this is a great game. Get it. If you're in America, it's hard to get elsewhere. Publisher's awesome. And he took a bath on the shipping because he's one of those companies that – Funded and pandemic hit, and like he was out thousands and thousands of dollars. So go buy the game. Mm. And I actually have Hungry Gamer and Beatrice the Board Game Dog promo cards, and most of the money from those goes to the publisher. Anyhow, I want to focus on the theme of this game because it makes me so happy. And I know Patrick's all about it too because we go and get stinky beers together when we go to convention. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't understand why I was so drunk while we were playing. Those the beers that we left with those cans, they were the equip they were like 12%. We made poor choices. I mean, we made great choices. We made poor choices and there's a reason why we lost so badly. Oh, oh. gnomes got us. <laughs> so so now the gnomes, I like to compare the gnomes in this game to Amazon meets Budweiser. <laughs> because they are the crappy beer brewers that are flooding the market in this fantasy world. And each player is their own fantasy race. And you're not out fighting each other. You got a microbrewery. And you're just doing your thing, trying to grab market share and keep people, like poor Teacher Ryan, from drinking piss water, which is what the gnomes are putting out there on the market and telling people <laughs> to beer. And it has this road to it. So it's an area control worker placement game but the thing that really gets me well all the factions are asymmetric but the worker placement it changes every round it's different options are out there and they activate in a different order every single turn and it is hard as balls to beat the damn gnomes which makes it just so good so good to me and it's also why i don't i don't love the co the competitive as much because it's so hard to beat the damn gnomes i don't have time to deal with patrick's nonsense across the table in the competitive mode what makes it extra sweet is you can pay to move the dragon to adjacent spots so like you can directly like you know how some people are like oh, i don't really like conflict in a game i don't want to feel like i'm attacking someone you can directly like ruin their like just absolutely raffle stomp them by just paying to move that dragon and it's like okay now what are you gonna do and it drains some coins and you're like okay my next section move it again oh if they don't pay, if they don't pay to stop that dragon it burns down their brewery and eats their people like no sorry you know what their customers it eats their customers i've shown this to like two people and they both bought it uh, Scott and I played it. We played it with Tom. I showed it to uh, to Nikki, to Adam. I think Nikki and Adam both grabbed a copy. Uh, it should make an appearance at a meetup. Maybe this upcoming one. We got a bunch of things that we want to play. I have a knack for saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to play that one at the next meetup. And I have a list of 20 games that I'm going to cram into six hours, and it doesn't happen. But you aren't kidding. This game is – I hate to say this is a criminally underrated or unknown game, but, man, it is. This game is hot. 
I'm going to bring to you and Scott some of the promo cards, but reach out. I will put some promo cards in the mail to you and just help an offset poor Dan George's bath he took. Absolutely. Yeah, any way to support him, definitely try and do that. Guys, we got one more on the heavy games, and this one's also coming from Hungry Gamer. Heard about this one already, Oathsworn. Okay, guys, Oathsworn is awesome. If you are into narrative, boss battlers, fantasy, dark fantasy, great story, great narration that's going to punch you right in the feels, this is your game. I'm mm. not going to say more because uh, Teacher Ryan has not gotten into the feel-punching part of the story. So I'm gonna. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> oh, prepare. The story. The story is excellent, though. Well, pre- prepare your nards and gird your loin because you got some choices to make. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Last category, guys. I want to talk about some of the best, most thematic games of the year. What are the games that really grabbed us and had us captivated, immersed in their story, and just sucked us right from our chair and right down to the table? Let's kick this one off with Josh. Josh, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Well, because I don't play heavy games too often, but that's okay. I do like playing thematic games, though. I've got two. Um, one of them is, it's kind of a 2022 release with the Stuff of Legend at PAX, Third World Studios. Got to stop by, meet my, some, see my, some of my friends there. Got to see the final production of Stuff of Legend. Looked fantastic, but I think my favorite thing that I actually brought home from PAX was the second omnibus for the Stuff of Legend comic book. And I was able to read through again the entire, pretty much almost the first two-thirds of the entire story of the Stuff of Legend. And then looking back on my previous gameplays of it, I was able to realize how thematic this game is and how wonderful it is. I haven't played this in a pretty long time, but being able to see it and go over it again this year, and having it, it's finally starting to ship in 2022, and release early 2023... It's just fantastic. This game is super thematic. All the characters come to life in it. Honestly, this is just one of the most thematic games to come out in a very long time that incorporates the IP and the game almost flawlessly, in my opinion. Patrick, you've played this one. What do you think about it? I think it's excellent. I can't wait to get in, in front of like my game group. You know, I, I told the story on the show already how like, you know, you had that stand up moment going at Origins with a bunch of people that I don't even know. You do get sucked into the story. You know, there's something neat about playing as the toys and, you know, there's toy soldiers, you know, uh, uh, that, that you're encountering throughout the board. The boogeyman took the boy away. It, feels charming. You know, it, it's fun to buy into that world a little bit. You know, I, you couple that with the gameplay element of having a potential hidden trader, or typically a hidden trader, sometimes potentially two, so you have some suspicion, some finger pointing, some interaction above the table on top of what's going on on the table in the game. Yeah, I think thematically, uh, as far as like immersion goes, this game, they just knocked it out of the park. The next one I have, as far as thematic games go, is one that I had an opportunity to play with Scott at Origins, actually, um, this last year, and this was Blood on the Clock Tower. Blood on yes. the Clock Tower is a super massive social deduction game, kind of like Stuff of Legends is on a smaller scale, but you can play with so many players. So the actual game mechanisms I wasn't too crazy over. I'd rather play something like One Night Werewolf or Stuff of Legends. But the way that the game is set up and the way the person who was running it did it, I felt very immersed in the experience. They have this, the the entire box is a giant, like, tome the person carries around and walks around with, and they hand out cards, there's like a little thing in the middle they were doing, we're all circled around it. I was really engrossed in the game as I was playing it. 
I don't think that was the mechanisms of the actual gameplay that did it, but it was the people who were actually like throwing it out there and presenting it to us. It was a very good experience of people who are passionate about a game really trying to show others how much they love it. And I was I was engrossed into it. I think the theme of Blood of the Glock Tower is very unique with, you know, taking the werewolf, putting a nice spin on it, adding a whole bunch of different roles and stuff makes the mystery a little more interesting. And I think with the right group, this is a very thematic game. And I really do believe that they nailed it on the head with how to present it. Well, Scott, you played this with me. What were your thoughts? No, I'm not a huge person with those kind of social deduction games there. I don't know. It just doesn't hit me. But I'd heard things about Blood on the Clock Tower, so I'm like, oh, let's give it a try. Yeah, I do agree that the person running it does so much to really build the theme. Of, but yeah, it definitely works as a very, very thematic game. Sounds like it'd be a lot of fun to play as that person running the game. Because, you know, when, when somebody, you know, I'm going to attempt to shoot that uh, that guy. The person running the game can be like, okay, you missed. Or they can be like, you draw back the strings and load a bolt into your crossbow, you know, and really like get into the, the, the theme of it, tell the story and like get everybody leaning forward in their chairs. I was watching you guys play that one. We showed up a tiny bit late. You remember the war wagon broke down on the oh, way to yeah. origin. So I didn't make it for that play. Oh, I was so jealous. It looked like a lot of fun. You know, it's funny. The guy that was, uh, what was he like? The werewolf or something? Whatever the, the demon. He was the demon. Demon Bob. I saw him later. There's 23. 30,000 people oh, yes. there, and I'm walking through the hall, and there goes Demon Bob. He's like, hey, Demon Bob! He knew. He waved. I got a wave. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about on the latest Boards and Brews, we were talking about things that make us nope right out of a game. The co-host was on. He mentioned social deduction games, and I'm there with him. I just... <sighs> what about them makes you want to go, nope? So here's the thing. I'm oh, really good at making people who don't know me believe shit. And I feel bad. <laughs> like, Scott, you know where I'm oh, coming yeah. from. Like, you you, yep. you you commit to that lie. But what happens is, I'll play like once, and then people are like, no, screw that guy. He's the one dying. So it'll be one game where I feel bad about what I've done, and then it's just all about me dying very early on. Now, with all that said, everything I've heard about Blood on the Clock Tower, it does sound like it is a best-in-class. It just sounds like a class that, you know... It's like mushrooms. I'm not interested. No, I do see you have Oathsworn as your one of your favorite thematic games this year. Yeah, and I'm going to actually tie that and Familiar Tales. We've talked about both in, in together. And sure. the reason why thematically they are so so high for me is both these games have com- companion apps. <laughs> <laughs> but both of them have narrated apps that give you the story. And Familiar Tales, it's a full cast. In Oathsworn, it is one of the dudes from Games, Game of Thrones. The story in both of these games, they're total opposite ends of the coins. One is more Disney, the other with a dark moment or two, and the other is like Warhammer 40k Grimdark, pretty much. Mm. But the stories are so engrossing, and I found myself staying up way too late and playing more just because I wanted to know what was going to happen. And the minis and the art and all that is just brilliant it is a triumph boy well that's some high praise for both oathsworn and familiar tales sounds like captivating start to finish from the time you open the box to the time you finish your play oh and scott the minis are fun to paint yes oh nice 
Well, with that, let's take it over to Scott. You've got a couple on here that you're saying super thematic, couple of your favorites from 22. What do you got? Now, you had touched on this a little bit earlier, Patrick, and that was Return to Dark Tower. Now, I'm not a huge one with the companion apps or anything like that. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Damn it. There we are. I'm waiting for it. Uh, you we could get here, this by I, now. <laughs> I really like this because it was something where it wasn't like your one single solitary hero going up against the Dark Tower to beat it. You had to gather up an army as you're running around the land trying to build this army to go against it. And I just thought that was such a great thematic thing to add into this. Instead of just having this uber super powerful one character taking on this tower. It was just a really nice touch to do that. Honest question, Scott. Does the tower itself, the fact that it lights up, that you move those little plates off of it and it has the glyphs, do you feel like that? Get you, you know, more in the zone with the game, more, more immersed in its theme. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you don't know what's going to happen and you're dumping the skulls in the top of it. You're waiting to see where they're going to come out at. There's all that tenseness that builds up playing this game. Mm -hmm. And the, the sounds that that tower spits out. Yes. So it's funny. So my, my wife legit has refused to play the game when some people came over. And actually, a, a friend of mine who doesn't play, he likes the idea of board games, doesn't play a lot. He actually backed the new, what was it, Indiegogo? Like, where, wherever the heck the new, uh, Backer Kit, Backer Kit. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Paper Dark Tower, all in from one play. Well, two plays, you played back to back at my house. Like, it, it's a fun game, but my wife won't play because she's like, I don't like those sounds. They're creepy. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> they did a good job with it. What else you got, yes, Scott? Yes. Well, the other one is one that I still go on to and play quite a bit, and that is Marvel Champions Sinister Motive expansion that they had for this. And that was all with the Sinister Six and Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Spider-Gwen. They always seem to figure out a great way to really build in the theme to the villains, to the heroes that you're playing. I, I don't know how they do it and how long they've been working on this, because I know that they can't just like, oh, we're going to do um, Wolverine next. Uh, yeah, take two weeks and figure it all out. No, these things are all working together so well. They had to really plan this well, well in advance before release. And uh, still, it is it is a multiplayer game, but this one still shines at solo play. Really, really does. We played this together at SCG. It's been a while now, but I was Star-Lord. One of you guys was Ant-Man. Somebody else was Iron Man. And kudos. They found a way to take a card game, just cards with art on them, and make it thematic. I felt like my cards and what I was capable of doing, they felt like Star-Lord abilities. And it was remarkably different. Yes. From Ant-Man. And it was, that was remarkably different from Iron Man. And the villain that we played against, I'm sure if we switched it up and tried a different one, they would function remarkably different from the one that we did play against. <laughs> I'm always amazed when a card game can do that just with the mechanisms on the cards. Good pick. Ryan, thematic games. You put down one that stood out for you as one of the most thematic games of 2022. My favorite theme, if somebody uh, asked me what my favorite theme was in board games, I would say pirates. Ryan, what's your, fa Ryan, Ryan, what's your Ryan, favorite, what's your favorite theme board in board games? Board games? <laughs> I don't remember anymore. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, okay. 
So because you guys asked me what my favorite theme was, let me tell you. It's actually Pirates. Pirates is uh, one of the themes that I really, really quite enjoy. However, most games that have to do with Pirates are pretty much... 50% going to be pick-up-and-deliver games, which are fine. Mm-hmm. They're fine. Uh, one of the best ones with Merchants and Marauders, and I played it, and I really enjoyed it. But I think uh, there was a game that came out uh, in 2022 that took that over as far as the theme is concerned. And it's not even pick-up-and-deliver, but it is pirate-themed, uh, and that's Dead Reckoning by the same team that put together the card-crafting system. If you've played Mystic Veil, then you know what I'm talking about. But the cards are going to come with like a clear area and like a film instead of color or art. And the reason being is because you're going to be slotting in other cards that have one line of actions uh, mm-hmm. that's going to fit into a certain spot. So when you actually slot that bit in, the card is now going to have two lines of actions. And then if you do another, it's going to be three lines of actions. And you're trying to build up these cards. So your your deck will never be above a certain number. It's going to be exactly the same number the entire game. But mm-hmm. you're just upgrading the cards by slotting in uh, these cards. And the whole idea about this pirate theme is you can pretty much do anything. You can go around and you can just commandeer islands and that's all you do. And you become a pirate and you attack other people. There is a really cool item or mechanic that they have in the game, which I'm showing to you, everyone, even though they can't see it because it's a podcast. Oh, Um, look at this little pop-up boat. But it is a dice tower boat. And the whole idea or theme behind it is that when you drop dice in, it's going to shoot it out as though it's like side cannons uh, Mm -hmm. from a pirate. And there is a board that they spill out into, and that determines the strength of your attack. So it's like you're shooting a cannon, uh, and it's coming out and it's doing that much damage to things. Uh, You can become a pirate. You can also just go around and get goods, and you can use those goods to establish things on these islands, or you could just bring them back to your port to get money, and there's a goal where if you want the most money, there's goals where you want to attack other people's ships in which you would steal their stuff that they have on their boats. So not really a pick-up-and-deliver game, and uh, the game ends after a certain number of objectives are completed by everybody, but like, I feel like, even though it's, according to a lot of people, not as thematic as something like Merchants and Marauders, I feel like it is because I want to immerse myself in the game's mechanics as well as the theme. And so, like, combining both of those, I think it's much better than Merchants and Marauders. And that's just my opinion. And I'm looking forward to the Letters of Mark expansion that's coming out, too. The one thing I didn't like about the game is when you become a pirate, you have a little pirate flag that you let you, like, slip into your pirate ship on the board. And that is very loose. Uh, it falls over. Some people have. Oh. Just, yeah. Some people just decide to like lean it. <laughs> you got a limp flagpole. You do. No good. Um, but the good thing is, letters of Mark is. Uh, good night, everybody. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Will. Uh, letters of Mark is coming out with like. Um, uh, upgraded components for everything as well. Not just another campaign mode. They're coming out with all the upgraded components that people were asking for. Not only is the metal money beautiful, but they're going to upgrade the things like the pirate cap and the actual pirate ships themselves. I think this is a really, really thematic game, and that's Dead Reckoning. It looks cool. We we were up, uh, what, what was it? Gen Con, I think we were up in the hotel room for AEG, and I know they had a copy of Dead Reckoning up there. Didn't get the chance to to play it while we were up there, but man, it's got my attention. Yeah, so I don't the, know. I don't think they actually had the game set up up there. They just had the preview. No, they did some of the and the, some of the stuff for Letters of Mark. Yeah, they, they, mm-hmm. they, had, they had the boxes up there, and so I have to say. So what the two things that have kept me away from it? One is I am in the extreme minority, and I do not like Mystic Veil vale even a little. Not a bit. It's fine. 
I do. I, I do like. Okay. But I love the idea of the card crafting. And actually, one of the expansion characters in uh, Merchant's Cove that I got to preview is actually all about that kind of card crafting. It's very, very cool. But the other thing that I heard that kept me away from it is I've heard it is very long, a very long game. Yeah, I, I had to play this uh, two-handed solo just to try it out and learn the rules. And I think it did take me about somewhere in the realms of two and a half hours to play it. And that was just a two-player mm. game. So I can only imagine because uh, adding more players literally just adds length of time to the game. Yeah. And now, don't I don't have an issue with, with long games, but it's just one of those things you, that for me, I'm like, okay, I got to be ready for it. So one of my favorite dungeon crawls is Dungeon Alliance. Great game. It's long. Like, you you're going to be there for three hours, maybe more. You got to be ready for that. And so I'm like, am I ready for that? And I have not been ready for that, but maybe I'll be ready for that. But you're ready for that at Origin. Are you, are you ready for this? <laughs> Guys, I'm going to round out our thematic games of 2022. I'm going to go with what I thought was a layup. I can't believe you guys didn't put this on there. Nemesis Lockdown. Nemesis, of course. Aliens, but we're on a Mars base instead of on the ship. This one we reviewed some time ago. It's back in episode 50, actually. We did a, a double. We did Nemesis and Lockdown, both in the same episode. Man, there's just something awesome about going around, exploring the base, finding new rooms and, you know, finding out what's on fire, what's malfunctioning, working together, but somebody might be a traitor, somebody, you know, oh, oh everything about this game is thematic. Trying to get, uh, trying to get out of this base, whether you're going to get up there and get to the rover, or if you're going to hunker down in the chamber and wait for everything to pass. And then when the corporation shows up, did they, did they nuke the base? This is a game that I can come back and play every other week. It's it's a fixture in the collection on the shelf. What do you guys think? I've been I have never played Nemesis. I have no one to play with. So if there's ever a time when I can play with either you and Scott or Ryan or Will, I would love to sit down and play Nemesis. This will be our I've, first I've, official. Now Scott's not going to join. I know because I, I hear him grumbling already. This is our I, first I official say, date yeah. of Origins. I was about Scott, to say, are, are you sure you want to get Scott's response on that question, Scott? You, you <laughs> exactly. and I, yeah. I'm we will sit and, and we will enjoy beverages. Scott and I will enjoy beverages. Yes. How about you guys play 60 <laughs> rounds of Scout and we'll play one game of Nemesis? <laughs> You'll play one turn of Nemesis oh, at that time. <laughs> guys, Nemesis is rated yeah. in the top 20. I don't have to defend Nemesis from you. Yeah, well, okay. So here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about it. So like with Blood on the Clock Tower, I recognize why people like Nemesis as much as they do. Here's the thing, and so this is something that I've talked about before. The backstab in a long game is a thing that just gets my goat. I, I just I don't like it because I know contrary to how I present, I'm actually if we make a team, I'm all into the team. Like I don't want to backstab. Bad feelings abound. There is only one game that I enjoy playing that's with backstabbing, and that is Battlestar Galactica, because that is what it's about. Like that's it. That that's what that you said. It. Be, be, I love that. Yeah. Beyond that, I, I just I don't dig it. Now, I have played Nemesis Lockdown Cooperative, and that for me was a mm -hmm. far more engaging game. It still felt long, and I was unhappy that I locked myself in the panic room and we still got nuked. <laughs> that can't happen. Yeah. No. That's uh, that is a lockdown mechanism that's not in regular Nemesis. But hey. I stand by it. I don't have to defend this from you guys. It's like the most thematic game of 2022.
All right, guys, I wanted to wrap things up today with just uh, maybe each of us talking about a game or two that ranks as maybe your favorite of 2022. Let's let's do uh, let's do Will, then Josh, teacher Ryan, me and then Scott. You're going to get the last say on this one. Well, it's actually published as Oathsworn with familiar tales being a very, very close second. But I just want to go and say that this was a great year for dungeon crawl and adventure games. Because that's my jam. Mm-hmm. And for the past few years, my game of the year list has not had them on it for the most part. And this year, my top two were Adventure Dungeon Crawls, and I actually threw two more out because I didn't want a whole list of Adventure Dungeon Crawl games. So for those of you who are like super nerdy like me, it was a fantastic year for that. It's always a good year for Euros, but it was a great year for that. Oh, Sworn Familiar Tales being tops. Josh? This is not going to be a popular choice. And I already mentioned, I already mentioned Disney's Sorcerer's Arena. So I'm not going to mention that one. That's probably my favorite game of the year. I'm actually going to throw, I think my favorite game of the year was Green Team Wins. I okay. think that this was a very good party game. Like I said, I don't play many games that come out new. I usually play older games. So for 2022, I really, really enjoyed learning how to play Green Team Wins. I think it's an excellent party game. I think it deserves to be up there with the likes of Just One, So Clover, and other major party games. It's very well done, very easy to teach. It's green team wins. Teacher Ryan. Um, sadly, I didn't get to play Heat, Familiar Tales, or a lot of Oathsworn, so I didn't put them on the list. But that could change, depending on how I play them. But for now, uh, I'll just tell you my top three really quickly in an order. From top to bottom, Carnegie is number one, Revive is number two, and Tila Tomb is number three. All right. All right. Well, excited to play Revive. Guys, I think my favorite this year, you know, there, there were a handful that are like, oh, uh, this game's fantastic. But the one that takes the cake for me is Wonderland's War. Uh, there's something about the, the versatility of the game, the, the variability of the game, how things change up from one game to the next. I love the cards. I love that you're interacting constantly. The bag building. It's got to be Wonderland's War. King? I've got to say the one that really sticks out for me for being the best, it's one I was really looking forward to, and that's going to be Lacrimosa. I really, truly enjoy that game. The whole music part of it just really sings to me. I really, really enjoy that one. I like how you said music and it sings to you. That was really good. I know. I planned that. Ah, Now, ah. if Josh was doing a song, he'd go... It sucks. <laughs> I haven't played Lacrimosa. I don't know if it sucks. I've only seen it, and I can comment on how it looks. Wow, you're crappy on it. You have very good. Well, a, a bird can not sit on a roof and still drop poop on it as long as he sees it. <laughs> I close. don't see the correlation, but we'll go with it. that is that is that is our good. ending quote for the day. <laughs> Well, Scott, you got me even more amped up to give Lacrimosa a try. Guys, I want to thank you. We got Explorer Josh, Teacher Ryan, Hungry Gamer Will Brown, our dung merchant, all in one room, joining the King and I for today's episode 84, a fun side quest talking about 2022, the year that was, and I think this is going to go down as we look back at it as one of the best years in board gaming. We got great games coming at us, like something out of a fire hose, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know. There's an expression about a fire hose. Wow. Are you being fed through a fire hose? Like <laughs> something like that. 
Can we just drop in Josh's bird pooping thing instead? Okay, that, that's what's going to happen. But before we sign off, I do need to tell Adventures you can hear Josh on the Tabletop Submarine podcast. He and Andrew talk about stories in their podcast. Teacher Ryan joins us more often than the other co-hosts because we like him more. And Will Brown does all sorts of things between boards and brews and all his extra stuff he's doing. It. Guys, thanks so much for joining us today. King, as always, you get the final word. Oh, well, hey. Whenever we started this, I didn't really realize how much fun and how many great people we would meet, and it's hopefully only going to get better. So go out there, play some games, make some friends, have a good time. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us for this episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. That's where you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes and the Heatley Brothers. And remember, whether in hobby or in life, Always do what you can to level up.